Well, hi, my name is Greg Pryor, and this is the Workday Podcast. I'm excited to talk to my very good friend, Michael Bush, who is the CEO of The Great Place to Work. And we're actually here live at Workday Rising, and uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about what's top of mind for you. This is your, I think, first time joining us at Workday Rising. You gave the keynote uh, presentation, and by the way, did an amazing job. Thank you so much. Uh, We laughed, we cried, we were inspired. (laughs) Uh, uh, It was just just fantastic. So let me, maybe I'll, I'll start by getting your impressions, your first Workday Rising. What's... What's, what are you thinking about? It's been a mind-blowing experience. I mean, you know, I, I thought about uh, a bunch of people who would be coming together for a common reason, which is how to get the most out of their Workday experience, you know, or to how to think about whether Workday is a good partner. So really, people who would be technology-minded. Um, what I didn't expect is th- so many people are attracted that are actually trying to improve the cultures in their company. So they're looking at technology as the means to that end. Um, And they've learned about the power of that. And so uh, I didn't expect that. And uh, therefore, in the sessions, people are asking questions about the technology, but you could see the the direct connection to information that they want to get to improve the employee experience, you know, or improve the leaders in their company. So um, I was really, uh, uh, super happy, you know, <laughs> to hear people who were interested in culture um, and, and using technology as a way of, of improving their culture. And so let me pick up a little bit on that. Your, your presentation was on the culture imperative yeah. uh, and to your point how, you know, workday customers, how people such as myself are, are able to use our technology to support that. Maybe give us, you know, two of the three of the key messages that you shared with, uh, with our audience of, of, of our new 10,000 closest friends. Amazing, yes. Um, well, the key message which we have in common is to create a great place to work for all. Yeah. That it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, or where you're in the organization, it should be a great place to work. And it doesn't matter whether you're a knowledge worker, a bricklayer, or going into mines and trying to find gold in the mines. We survey all those companies and we care about all those people equally. So uh, that, that's the power, because that's what a great culture does. A culture that excludes people and treats people differently and has an inconsistently great experience is not a great place to work for all. It's a great place to work for some. So we, we talked about those things. And it was great to be on the stage looking at the audience and looking at people taking notes or punching <laughs> things in their phone, you know, because they were like, this is what I like. This is what I like. Some of them were like, I didn't know this is what I liked, but this is what I like. So you could just see that actually happening and see and, and see the excitement occurring. And then um, you know, we, we talked about uh, what it takes to be a great, a great place to work, which is um, the experience that people have for the people, with the people that they work for, as well as the people that they work with. And woven through that is really the answer to the question of, how do you know what people are experiencing? Well, that's the power of our work and the work that we're, we're, we're doing together. We are relying 100% on what employees say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's not what leaders mm-hmm, think mm-hmm, or yeah. someone's opinion. It's directly what employees say about what they're experiencing. That's the power of it. And if you have that information and you're humble enough to look at it and not spin it, you'll get what you need. And then you can get on your way um, to doing some things, which our panel today did an exceptional job of, yeah. uh, talking about specifically what you can do day to day 
to make sure that you've got a, a high trust culture. One of the things that 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 we had today was a really mixed audience. Uh, given Workday's diversity of technology, we had people in HR functions, we had people in IT functions, and we had you know people in our finance functions. And I know through our time together that that you you believe that being a great place to work is actually being also you know great for business. Can you tell me a little bit, you shared some fascinating uh, stats today about what the relationship looks like between being a, a great place to work for people and being a great place to work for business. Yep, what we like to say is that uh, a great place to work for all is better for business, better for people, and better for the world. And we uh, believe that getting the data so business leaders can see that is the way to move this, this, this forward. Some business leaders are hesitant because they feel like they're sacrificing something on the, on, mm. on the, the bottom line. So we shared some information today uh, to let people know about the revenue growth that occurs as your culture gets stronger and stronger. We compared good companies to great companies to see the superior revenue growth from those great companies compared to, to good companies. So what we're trying to do is put to bed people who need a business case for treating people great right, and for, right. for, for treating everybody great. So um, we spent a lot of time on that. The other thing that's been great about um, uh, Workday Rising is um, typical HR conferences, okay, which are what culture conferences typically are, have a lot of HR people, remarkable people that we can't live without. But there are no CFOs, there are no CIOs, there are no CTOs. They look at those conferences and go, I'm absolutely not going there. They are here. They are absolutely here. And so this, this myth that CTOs, CIOs, CFOs don't care about culture, it's absolutely not true. Yeah. You just need to put together a forum that has meaning for them. So they want to talk about culture and how you're going to make it happen. Technology does that. We had three amazing uh, customers today that represented all those functions. And what I appreciated, one of the thoughts that you had when you when you opened up and brought that panel on was that you know typically when you speak, you know those those CIOs and CTOs and those CFOs will leave the room. They'll say, Hey, Michael's here to talk to the HR folks, and I just love the fact that you know uh, our C our CTOs, CIOs, and and CFOs were really talking specifically, Robin. Cisco, who's our CFO here at Workday, you know, said, gosh, uh, you know, the investment in our workforce is two-thirds of the cost of our business. She's yeah. like, I pay attention. When the investment is <laughs> yeah. two-thirds of my cost base, yeah. that matters to me. And yeah. that was really cool to hear her talk you about. You know, it's like, that's so obvious, but I was blown away when she said it. <laughs> because it's just like any CFO who doesn't, who thinks they can delegate that two-thirds of their operating expenses to HR, they clearly don't know what they're doing. I mean, they're just not really thinking that way. She just broke it down. She's like, yeah. I don't have an option. I have to be concerned about this. I have to be involved in this, which is what makes her so remarkable. Yeah. You know, and other leaders like her. Um, you know, just like Shamim uh, uh, Mohammed, you know, as a CIO, talking about um, this is what he thinks about when he's going to work every day. Yeah. The experience that he's, and he's doing some complicated things in terms of technology. They're revolutionizing that company and that industry. But this is a guy who goes to work thinking about culture first. So you expect it from a great people leader like Mike Malloy of Quicken Loans. But, um, but, you know, Mike comes from business. He's really part of this new movement of HR and business, it's becoming the same thing. And so, um, you know, it's an exciting time for HR leaders. And, um, and I hope that this is the beginning of the movement. And what I was struck as I thought and listened 
backstage to those three, you couldn't tell what the functional yeah. role uh, that those three leaders, they were business leaders first, who cared right. about, you know, who cared about their culture and uh, it was just super cool, yeah, no. So I'm gonna ask you, you talked about being a great place to work for all. Yeah. Uh, I know that that's the title of your recent book. What does great place to work for all mean to you? Well, when I got to great place to work, um, a little over three years ago, um, actually, bought the company on October 14th, 2015. Wow. So, so coming so up coming on three up, years. Wow. And um, one of the things I saw by looking at the list is that places were a great place to work, but not for all. Mm. I could see pockets of people who weren't having a great experience. But just due to the law of large numbers, the score would lean towards the largest parts of the population. The demographic changes that are occurring, as we all know about millennials coming into the to the workforce and transforming it in terms of that age group, that it needs to be a great place to work for all. So um, what we saw is a huge opportunity to um, think about uh, equality and equity in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, because some things like diversity and inclusion, as soon as you say the diversity word, some people feel left out. And so the thing that we're doing with For All is trying to accomplish the exact same thing as every diversity and inclusion leader is trying to do, but a different way. That it should be a great place to work for everybody, including white men. You know, there's nobody left out of this equation, and, um, and it's okay to say that different people need different things, which is what equity is all about. And that's part of our For All measurement, that you can have people who are currently having two different experiences, you know, one at a higher level than the other, then you can't just give them both, you know, um, the same benefit. Because they're already at the beginning before they get the benefit at different levels in terms of equity. So you have to make these kinds of adjustments to know that's how you get equity and, and, and equality. So it led us to making sure when we ranked companies, when we scored companies, that we did demographic comparisons, just like you're doing within Workday, yep, yep. of different groups, because it's consistency that matters. You know, um, the odd thing is, you know, something that I mentioned today, if you, you can take a company that's really, people aren't having that great of experience, but if they're all having the exact same experience, they will say, this is a great place to work. That's how important fairness yeah, is, yeah. compared to an experience where some people are having a great experience and others are not. Yeah, this idea of for all feels inclusive for everyone, and so I thank you for that. I, I often, we often at Workday think about and use your phrase there because it just it just resonates. It just feels right. It feels good, and so I I thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to turn a little bit. I know you are. First and foremost, uh, perhaps a business person. You're a business leader, and, and that's why you get why this is important. Tell me a little bit, if, if you would, about sort of how you think about the future of work. Perhaps why is this more relevant, more of an imperative today as you think about the future of work? As I think about the future of work, you know, it's, we all know that uh, leaders define the experience for the employee. But with so much data being available, mm -hmm. um, it, it enables us to predict things and to see signals before we have a problem. This is what's new. This is what's different. So, you know, uh, let's say right now somebody can have a town hall meeting. And when you walk in, you know, the CEO and everybody's sitting with their arms crossed, tight-lipped, leaning back in a chair, you'll go, okay, there's a problem here. Actually, there's been a problem. It's almost too late at that point. Yet that's what many companies are doing. And some are missing that signal. Yeah. But if they start to address it, actually there's something that started a while ago. 
that Robin's point today was was <laughs> remarkable. Like we looked at statistics, you know, we looked at our survey results, we could see something was going on. But when she thought about it, she knew that when she went into the kitchen area at workday and some people weren't cleaning up the kitchen, something was actually going wrong. So the signal appeared appeared very early. Yep. So data enables us, I mean, that's just an anecdotal thing, which is yep. just the people business and, and a person being really aware and, and, and humble at the same time. But there's actually data that lets us know things like when a person moves or when we ask them to go to another place to work um, or we change their commute pattern. Their reaction and experience at that time can be a predictor six, 12 months ahead of time for somebody who's gonna leave your company. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we have enough data now, if you're asking, to be able to predict these things. We have enough data now to personalize benefits. We have enough data now to personalize learning and development. Because one thing we know, all the data tells us, one size absolutely does not fit all. We have enough data now to, to personalize these things to make sure this is about equity. Everybody gets exactly what they need. And so I think the leader today and, and, and the leader of the future, here's what's different. The leader of the future has to be willing to get feedback mm. often. Often. Now, for all of us leaders, it's much easier to get feedback once a year. But we're moving into a time where you're going to get it once a quarter, once a month. If you're at workday, you're getting it every week. Okay, this is a whole new thing. And it takes quite an adjustment. Talking about a bold, courageous move. But this is the future of work. It's, we've got the data. You have to pay attention to the data. You might want, not want to look at it. But uh, leaders are going to have to learn to be open not because it's a good thing to do, it's a necessity for being able to, to know what your people need and to make sure that you're getting it to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I was so pleased that Robin actually shared the story this morning that, that about two and a half years ago, uh, you know, we began to see uh, first in the signals that, that we didn't pick up, the, the break room where someone had not cleaned uh, something up, which was very, very untypical for, uh, you know, for Workday. And then, uh, and then thank you to you know, to you and some other sources, you actually gave us that feedback and said, <clears throat> you know, this is what we're seeing in your results. We're beginning to see a bit of a dilution uh, in your culture. And, you know, that's actually when you and I first met and we came to you and we said, hey, how should we be thinking about this? We really want to be intentional. We need to be clear-minded. And, you know, that's when sort of we started to partner, and I'm so appreciative. Uh, you actually enabled us to begin using some of the data that you had, being able to survey. And today, as you know, we, we survey our, our entire workforce every Friday. So every Friday is, is Feedback Friday. But to your point, we can now see to the leader, uh, by gender, by generation, by geography, uh, deep into the organization, you know, how do we how do we address those weak signals early on? To your point, before they before they become problems, and I, I couldn't agree more that the, the future is you know is really around that. And so on that topic, let me ask you a little bit about technology. How do you see technology playing a role in the employee experience and culture and being a great place to work for all? Technology is going to drive the employee experience. Um, I think everybody is coming to understand it. I don't think most people fully understand it. Um, that, that we will be looking at, at data plots of exactly how employees are moving uh, physically, mm -hmm. um, what they're experiencing as a result of that, 
um, looking for solutions to make it easier for them. You know, how a person gets to work and gets home for work is going to become more and more a part of the uh, employer's uh, responsibility um, because they want to keep that great employee. I, I think that um, this movement of, of collecting data and analyzing data to solve some of the most vexing problems that we've had, you know, in terms of, of the management and the support of people. For example, um, when, when we talk about something like diversity, you know, something that we've been talking about, you know, around the world for 30 years and made, made some progress, but not nearly as much progress as all of us know we need to make. Well, um, you can actually, and some companies are, use data to know um, what types of employees you can attract that have the kinds of networks mm -hmm. that they will bring to your company. So you can have an employee and if they're willing to share with you what they're doing in social media uh, and bring that to your company, you have a pot of gold. Yeah. Um, because we all know great people know great people. Yep. Lazy people know lazy people. You don't want to hire lazy people and bring their network. Great people know great people. Um, and uh, great women leaders know more great women yes, leaders. Yes. And so on. It cascades. Mm -hmm. And using data, which comes you know, from social media, and having a high degree of trust where people want to bring their networks to your company needs to get completely unlocked. Yeah. Um, people are paying $30,000, $50,000, $100,000 to recruiters. What they need to do is bring people in and say, hey, we'd like you to do this for us. We'd like to partner with you here, and here's $10,000. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a money saver, and that's how the numbers can actually change. The data is available to do that today. Um, and, then, and then secondly, around inclusion, which for us is for all. Um, we can measure that. We measure it every day. Um, we can let you know why if you, if you bring in a, a, a certain person uh, who might be from an underrepresented group, depending on how they're welcomed, you can predict whether they'll be there three mm -hmm. years from now. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. data tells us that very clearly. So um, this is going to be um, the, the big shift that's happening. Um, people who think you can manage people uh, without technology, um, good luck. It, it's, it's not going to happen. You need the data um, to do this. So it's the new frontier. And, and the good news is that that used to be something that horrified people. Because of, of, of great companies like, like Workday, some work that we're doing, and some other great companies, it's now easy. It's now easy. The user interface has come so far, it's a very intuitive experience. Let me ask you, what are you most excited about? You, you have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with some very, very interesting people. You look forward you know, one to three years. What, what, what are you most excited about? What I'm really looking forward to is people, um, no matter how big the company is, um, if you've got at least 20 employees, being able to survey your employees in a very easy way and get the same high-powered analytics uh, that a work they can get. The democratization of that process. You shouldn't have to be a huge company, a Fortune 500 company, to get great analytics regarding your people. Uh, I look forward to that. It's happening and, and certainly look, look forward to being a part of that. The other thing is that for, for companies that have, you know, you kind of move past the 1,000 mark and, you know, you're growing and scaling, um, companies that are then able to, to become customers uh, of, of companies like Workday. So for those customers, due to the reward for their growth, mm -hmm. you know, for getting mm -hmm. to that point, 
taking some of our data, like you're doing, taking our background of uh, our data from over 100 million employees and over 80,000 companies and the benchmarks that come from that and putting it within your ecosystem where you have the benefit of metadata, of PRISM, of artificial intelligence, of machine learning, the elite experience will be on a platform like yours where our data's there, but you're amplifying it. You're making it super easy for people, as only a company like yours can do. Thank you. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of you know end today with a with a a, a point of gratitude to the work that you all have done. And so I just want to thank you. You have been an inspiration to me. Your team has been an inspiration, you know, to the work that our team has done. And and we appreciate the amazing and and so and such an important mission that you all are on to create great places to work for all. And so we, uh, we appreciate that. And I just want to say how grateful I am to the great work that you and your teams are doing in this space. Sounds good, Greg. Thanks very much. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So, well, thank you to uh, my friend Michael Bush for sharing insights uh, with our listeners. This is Greg Pryor with another Workday podcast. Signing off for now, and thanks so much for listening. Have a great Workday. <laughs>